0: either the either or the either. i told you we're out of phoenix down. okay all right <coughs> hi you're listening to mage cast the ensemble podcast by the well-read mage and a cast of mages each episode i sit down with my rotating panel of guests to have some civil discourse about a single game we're a group of games writers dedicated to long-form content and critique you can find us on wordpress at thewellreadmage.com, on twitter at the mage and on youtube crowdfunding support makes projects like MageCast possible if you enjoy our work written or otherwise you can check out our patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash the well-read mage for more information on exclusives rewards and our vision for a future of better games writing and a friendlier gaming community links are in the description don't forget to like follow subscribe and share MageCast with your fellow adventurers leave us a review too oh and now let's start the show morning. Welcome to the very first episode of MageCast of 2019. I have to be very careful about saying 19 and not 18. Uh, I've been screwing that up for like a week now. Um, well, five days. But I am um, today sitting down with two fine gentlemen that I've never met before, uh, except for like 10 minutes ago. And they've been very patient <laughs> with me trying to get all the the stupid hardware preferences set up. So I already like them. Uh, so I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves. Um, talk about what, what kind of, what's your stick? Like what, what are some of your favorite games? What's your podcast about? And what are you playing right now? If you would, I don't know who wants to go first. We'll start with Steven.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, my name's Steve and I guess my stick to start there. I. I'm a massive gamer. I'm a writer for kinggamer.com. Um, we do a lot of like editorial pieces, news stuff, reviews. Um, we have a podcast called The Pixel Meditations, and Toby can expand on it a little bit if I miss something, but we sort of want to talk about video games as an art form and as a serious medium. Our goal is to kind of like bring video games into the forefront as something that should be taken seriously, kind of like film or literature. So that's kind of our thing. We do many different topics could be a single game single game company could be a console could be a concept like emulators could be anything uh whatever kind of piques our interest and whatever guests kind of want to talk about and what am i playing right now i've been playing donkey Kong country again to talk about this episode yes awesome (laughs) (laughs) and i couldn't help but play the second one again because i absolutely love the second one it's one of my favorite platformers of all time And outside of that, I've been playing the Banner Saga, actually. The Banner Saga, which I finally picked up on the Switch. I'm a massive RPG and platform nerd, so that's sort of my gaming background.
0: Nice. And playing a massive RPG in bed on the Switch is...
1: (laughs) It's pretty amazing. Amazing. It's a great experience.
0: Like, I've been playing uh, (laughs) Final Fantasy V. I hacked it onto my um, Super Nintendo Classic, and I'm like, why can't I play this in bed that would be so awesome if it was on the Switch, but, uh, yeah.
1: the bust off that old Game Boy Advance, so the Final yeah, Fantasy 5 right. Advanced on there. If I had
2: it,
0: or if my hands could fit around a tiny handheld, I mean, look at the size of these things. They're like six feet wide. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, I have giant hands, so handhelds are out of the nice. question. Uh, all right. And then our second guest here is Toby. Go ahead, sir.
2: Yes. Hey, so I'm Toby, uh me and Steve uh, to co-host Pixel Meditation. So I think he pretty much got everything uh, how I would describe it. So we kind of just like to think about video games as kind of like more than just a uh, like quick fun. Like there's a lot of depth in video games and the developers spend a lot of time in them. And I think just on like a cultural level there's, a, there's a lot of significance there. And I think we kind of just like to bring out a little bit of a deeper side of kind of like our feelings and thoughts about video games um so I mean I play a lot of different games although my time to play them has uh, somewhat somewhat diminished so I'm, a, I'm a grad student okay. over here in Germany so uh, you know it's it's hard to pl- to have time to play you know all the mm-hmm. games but um yeah I've been playing Donkey Kong country <laughs> as well today uh, I've have also been playing celeste oh nice which is a really yeah just a wonderful platformer i really love that game i mean compared to donkey Kong country oh my god it's so (laughs) hard
0: yeah well you've had (laughs) like decades of practice on donkey Kong country right (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i have
2: not played celeste Um, but
0: i thought it was so cool that celeste was nominated for game of the year um to see an indie up there next to you know rdr2 and god of war that's that's awesome that's really cool
2: yeah and 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 it just absolutely deserves that that spot it's such a such a great game uh it just takes the best of a lot of different platformers and puts it together in a really unique awesome way so yeah totally um yeah so i've just been playing a few games here and there when i get a chance but um yeah i'll always keep playing some games as as long as i can
0: (laughs) now steven i i saw you were about to say something you took a breath what did you want to say sir
1: I was just going to echo that Celeste is totally deserving of being a 2018 Game of the Year uh, nominee. It's such a great game in every way. The story is like, just so well weaving into it. Uh, the gameplay it just has amazing platforming elements. Every level is completely different, even though it's all on the same mountain. Like, Just absolutely A-class platformer. Everyone wow. should play it.
0: Yeah. Now, see, absolutely. I haven't played it yet. I really want to, though, <laughs> so I'm going to definitely snag <laughs> yeah. on that. Now, something I wanted to touch on, I really like the concept for you guys' podcast. I really like the goal, the theme that you guys have to sort of make video games um, a little more of a, well, you could say, I guess, accepted art form, right? Um, But Mm -hmm. treated as an art form like literature, like sort of the classical forms of art, right? Um, and I wanted to ask you guys, pick your brains on this. What do you think are some things, maybe two, three things that need to happen in order for that to become a reality, in order for games to be seen as an art form, not ne- not necessarily just by the mainstream, but maybe by players
2: themselves?
0: I know that's a huge
2: question, uh, but
0: yeah, go ahead. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely a huge question. And we, we've addressed this in several of our episodes. Uh, so if you guys are interested, you can check it out at our on our podcast. But I think generally, um, it, like, the, the, a lot of people have to play the game. So I think that's kind of a big thing. So, you know, growing up, I feel like kids were, were more, like, on the outskirts. Like, games were more on the outskirts and not, not as many people played them. So I feel like there has to be, like, um, you know, a general appeal to the games and i feel like as we're aging you know like millennials get older like we're we're not going to stop playing games like we're going to keep playing games you know our whole lives so i feel like we're kind of like leading the charge to like bringing bringing games to, like to a wider audience mm-hmm. um and I, I just i feel like just having games that treat subjects seriously and don't don't kind of like pander to like kind of like childish notions like i've been playing through like detroit become human and i feel like that that game is a perfect example of something that you know addresses like serious topics and it's like really interesting it's not just like childish like fun it's like it's really cool um it's really interesting it's kind of like a novel in its Mm -hmm. own way but in like a unique way in a unique way and i don't know like video games are just kind of new so it takes a a bit of time to, to kind of um get accepted as like uh, you know, on the same level as as like music or movies or something like that,
0: right? Yeah, no, and that's a good point. I think that the the more time goes on, um, we'll start introducing the next generation to games, and it'll become sort of an accepted thing. There, I've already got my three year old on uh, the original Legend of Zelda, and he's like, you know, wow. plowing <laughs> through Octoroks nice, and stuff nice like that. There's no way he's going to beat it because I did, I couldn't beat it when I was a kid but uh you know like to get to get the familiarity with interactive media in early i think is good and then like you touched on making games more accessible to people and the great thing about today is we have this wide variety of games you've got you know Detroit like you mentioned and then you've got Super Mario Party that just came out two completely different styles of games and yet you could have sort of like, you know, a college age intellectual that's into Detroit. And at the same time, on Thanksgiving, I played Super Mario Party with my in-laws who like haven't touched a controller maybe in their entire lives. So so having, having <laughs> that level of accessibility and, and variety and choice available is great, I think. What about you, Stephen? What do you think?
1: Um, I definitely agree with everything you guys have said. But I would also add just education about video games. And I don't mean that, like, you know, everyone – not everyone has to learn about a specific kind of art. But people have to see that there is something to learn from video games, mm-hmm. whether that's, like, you know, someone getting involved with the process of coding or someone picking up, like, you'll know, say, Minecraft, like, Education Edition, which is, like, Minecraft to, like, teach kids how to do – how to basic – use basic coding – and learn tech skills. And I would also say people can get involved with like the musical side, making music for games, writing for games. And I think that people need to understand that there's a lot of moving parts with games. It's not just something that someone threw together. And since now we have so many more people playing games and it has matured a bit, I think this is happening. Um, there's still obviously going to be a lot of opposition yeah. to video games, especially, you know, like all this red dead redemption Two controversy happening with like all the stuff you can do in that game. Like, you yeah. know, like killing the lady. <laughs> that's like a woman's rights activist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, these days, it seems like anytime any
0: big game comes out, there's a controversy of some kind. Um, but yeah, now nah, I get what you mean.
1: But I think like, though, know, in the end of the day, every single art, Form, basically struggled when it first started you know mm-hmm. i don't think that even literature or movies when when this stuff was when different ways of literature came out you know like renaissance period or whatever there's always backlash to stuff yeah. and there's always going to be backlash until it becomes kind of ingrained and accepted into society yeah and i think it's a matter of time i think it's already changing right now for the better yeah and you're seeing there's so many more people involved with every process of video games not just playing making podcasts writing about it you know like it's just it's grown so much. It's grown so much since even just when I was a kid and before basically the Internet took off.
0: Yeah. No, that's definitely true. I was thinking actually of, uh, of Ragtime. Uh, ragtime, when it first kind of came out on the scene, was sort of seen as like this trashy kind of low art music. Um, And now you've got people studying ragtime and you've got people appreciating ragtime. You've got people using it in movies and games to highlight certain emotions and themes and feelings. So I think that that's an example of a recent kind of art. Same thing perhaps with comic books. Um, Comic books are an American art form. And, uh, you know, when they debuted, they were kind of just like things that little kids would read and you'd buy them for five cents and things like that. Now, Dude, I was watching a documentary. You've you've got comic book historians now. For sure. Absolutely. So that's like, what? (laughs) Like, imagine, you know, like 60, (laughs) 70 years ago. You wouldn't dream of having a historian dedicated to this pulp fiction stuff, you know, like the magazines that are just, just rubbish. But today, things have really evolved. So I'm sure the time is coming for games. You guys keep fighting the good fight. Um, but today we're going to talk about a beloved classic, an iconic classic, Donkey Kong Country. Title of the episode is Banana Hammock. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, it's, it's not Banana Hammock. It's, uh, we, yeah, we were trying to decide on a name, uh, me and, my, our, and our group of writers, and it's definitely not that. It's uh, Great Ape Spectations. It took us a while to come up with that. Oh, but, yeah. so,
1: buddy, nice you're, Charles you're Dickens knockoff. Like, yes.
0: <laughs> what the Dickens? So this game came out in 1994 on the good old Super Nintendo, developed by Rare, published by Nintendo. Um, what is, though, so special about Donkey Kong Country? So when we talk about this game, there were so many platformers in that era. The platformer was kind of the dominant genre, um, in the late '80s, early '90s, I'd say. But what makes this game stand out? What are some some things about it that pop into your head?
2: Um. Well, for me, I mean, I think just the whole package together. Like you you play this game, you you pop it in, you load it up, and you're immediately. Um, you know, encountered by like just wonderful like this music by David Weiss, like that's su- such a great um, addition to the game. I, I really can't. I can I mean, the, just the the um the feeling that the soundtrack gives you is so cool. And then also, I think just the graphics and um how you're playing the Super Nintendo, but it's like they have these like crazy like computer animated 3d graphics and i think that was so cool and revolutionary at the time certainly when i first got this game and played it that was like something that really struck me and i think it struck a lot of people when they played that game um back in 1994 and beyond but i just think like the solid platforming like the different levels like it felt very it helped varied and fun and like they put a lot of thought and love into the game um i think that's really for me like what Made it such an incredible game, and I think still makes it an incredible game today compared to other platformers that have come out.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. What about you, Steven?
1: Now, I think there's so many things you could touch upon and why this game is so near and dear to so many gamers' hearts. When it came out, I think it was just absolutely revolutionary with the graphics, all the pre-rendered stuff they did. Yeah, you, know, you see the barrels, they pop out, the characters pop out, and just like the layers of the the levels. You, know, those themselves, they have like different layers in the background it kind of like as a kid now now you might not think it looks so great it doesn't maybe hold up to time so well mm. but back then it looked like there's like a whole rainforest behind you and the colors were so vibrant and i had read somewhere they were putting they were trying to cram like 256 colors into a SNES cart, which only could use, I think, 16 <laughs> colors. And considering that limitation, it's absolutely... It's such a beautiful and vibrant game. And the atmospheres just pop out. And they did so much stuff with, like, weather effects, like mm-hmm. night and day effects. And I think the presentation of the game was just something that was basically not not really seen on a console up to that point. Yeah. At least not done in that way.
0: Yeah. So with the pre-rendered graphics, um, Donkey Kong Country, I guess, was one of the first games on a mainstream home video game console to use pre-rendered 3D graphics. And this is something we'd later see in the PlayStation era where we'd had the, the pre-rendered backgrounds, right? But to see that on the super Nintendo is pretty mind blowing. And when you're talking about all those colors, I didn't know that, that little factoid, but there are so many sort of gradients of color uh, and layers of, of mist, snow, You know, the changing weather effects, things like that, that make this game look extremely atmospheric. Um, Question, though. Do you think that this style of uh, visuals has aged well compared to, say, some of the crisper uh, games on the Super Nintendo that are comparable, like Super Mario World, Super Metroid?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean... Sorry, That's we're right, going do to do this the whole time. <laughs> <We'll> <laughs> why don't we take turns? We'll, we'll take
0: turns, so we'll have Steve go this time, and then Toby, you can follow up. Okay, okay.
2: that sounds that cool. sounds
0: fun.
1: When I was replaying this game, I had very fond memories of just how beautiful the game was as a kid, mm-hmm. and I think the pre-rendered graphics, as far as the sprite, the character sprites go... And the barrels and the trees in the forefront look really great still. It was like an absolutely beautiful game. I don't think that the backgrounds, like in terms of like the sky and the clouds and the mountains in the background, hold up very well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of blurry looking now. It's a little bit ugly. But I certainly think the game... Considering the time period and everything, I do think it holds up well, but maybe not so much next to a game like Kirby's Dream Land 3 or Kirby's Super Star. Something that's just, they had that FX, that fancy FX chip inside of it, mm. and they got to get more power out of it. Even like Yoshi's Island is probably a much more beautiful game by modern standards. So comparatively, maybe not so much, but it's still certainly playable. I wouldn't say the oh, visuals yes.
2: make it unplayable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Toby?
2: Yeah, I would definitely agree with what Steve said. Um I think the overworld is kind of like really not the best. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking about for the
0: sake of of non gamers listening. The overworld the hub between yeah, levels, hub. right? Where you'd have to march down that path. Yeah yeah yeah.
2: Yeah yeah, like that that is definitely not up to snuff. Like that that would totally be changed. Like it's, it looks totally pixelated and not good. But um I think the the levels are just wonderful. I don't know. I don't know if um I mean, I I see the whole game through the lens of nostalgia, so it's really hard to say objectively. Like, if this game came out, like, fresh and I had no idea today, I might think about it differently. But, I mean, at the time, I think it was just so groundbreaking and incredible. It's hard for me to really, like, look at that game in any other way. Yeah,
0: and part (laughs) of that undoubtedly was Rare's um, campaign that they put out for this game. Do you guys remember that? How old are you? I'm 33
2: yeah I'm 31 okay. I'm 30
0: okay so. so you guys yeah you're around the same age do you guys remember <laughs> yeah. seeing in the magazines like like those 3d renders of donkey Kong oh yeah for sure and being like what yeah, the <laughs> this is a game is in 3d like Was I bought Nintendo, it Nintendo power or... yes exactly yeah, I bought power. it, oh, I didn't have it like... Donkey Kong to like jump out of the screen like an actual like 3d <laughs> thing but still I mean you know so slightly more disappointed yeah, yeah, yeah. than that but It was still 3D, though. It was like 2.5D. But as a kid, you seeing, like, especially compared to the flatness of Mario or something like that, seeing uh, the fluidity of these character animations that were so rounded and so full of personality was really incredible. And Rare definitely pumped that up with their campaign. You know, it was incredible stuff. Go ahead.
2: Oh no! I was just gonna say I, I completely agree. <laughs> and though Nintendo definitely like over like like the way they presented some of their games in, like Nintendo Power and even like the box art is just like it can never match up to that stuff. But <laughs> I feel like they all, they did this um, all throughout the nineties, like kind of just making like kind of just like making it seem like it would just be perfect 3d and then you play it and it's a little less right
0: well yeah the box art the box art has friggin' the the characters like running out over the black frame right of the super nintendo cover and you're like is that what's gonna happen to my tv you know and yeah it doesn't exactly happen that way
2: no
1: You know, at least it's it's not – wow, I can't talk here. At least it's not Sonic 3D Blast or something where it's supposed to be 3D. (laughs) Then you get some really pixelated, isometric game that's such a letdown. Uh, (laughs) See, I haven't
0: played that. I've played one Sonic
1: game in my entire life.
0: I was a Nintendo guy growing up, uh, so – yeah, I
1: was Nintendo yeah. as well.
0: And you were the were you the Sega guy then, Steve? Oh,
1: no, I was a Nintendo guy. But I actually, I had I had two really good friends that had like Genesises, and they really uh, talked him, talked him up. So I got to play a lot of the Genesis games, even though I was a Nintendo kid myself.
0: Oh, see, that's cool. You yeah. got a little you got a little taste of both then. Um, so I got the Mortal Kombat too. Yeah. Oh, Sonic. the the bloody
1: one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Super <laughs> Nintendo one. had No blood.
0: Yeah, I've got <laughs> I've got the first um, Mortal Kombat on Super Nintendo still. And I didn't think about it when I was a kid. I was just like, yeah, you punch somebody. Of course, sweat pops out of their face. (laughs) You play it now, and you're like, this is kind of ridiculous. (laughs) So um, there's a question here. This is from the sometimes vaguely philosophical mage, Chris, uh, one of our writers. (laughs) He says, I have a Super Nintendo classic, and my other half and I have played through Super Mario World and Yoshi's Island on it, both great games, but... Tried Donkey Kong Country and just didn't get it. To me, it doesn't feel the same as those other platformers, and I can't put my finger on why. Am I missing some innovation that's making it different, and I'm just not recognizing that? Or is it something that does, in fact, take adjusting to, especially, I guess, if you're used to different or more modern trappings? So that's a lot of what we've been talking about, but I kind of want to use that to bridge into... The uniqueness of uh, DKC, especially in terms of the other big Super Nintendo, Nintendo platformers, like he mentioned Super Mario World, Yoshi's Island, Super Metroid, uh, games like that. So um, one thing for me to kind of kick this off uh, that's really big in, in Donkey Kong Country is the sense of weight. Um, it felt really like – and I hate using the word feel – when you talk about games, sometimes that's that's like a really, it's a weird term. So we'll say "seem." It seemed like um, Donkey Kong had a real sense of being present on the screen because they nailed the the you know the height of his jump, the the pace that he could run at, and there was a difference then too between Donkey Kong and this game has a second character that we all know. Uh, called Diddy Kong, his nephew, right? So you had Diddy Kong was this fast-paced character, much lighter-seeming, could jump further and so on, and then you had Donkey Kong that was much heavier. Um, I don't know how they achieved that, but that's at least one thing that kind of stands out to my mind uh, with Donkey Kong Country compared to the other, the other uh, Nintendo platformers. But what about you guys? What are some, some differences there?
2: Um, I, I would agree with the weight thing. That's really interesting. I thought I think it's really cool how there's two characters that are interchangeable, and they all have like slightly different kind of feels to how they how they play. Um, you know, it's a little bit better than like Mario and Luigi, who basically play almost identically. Yes. I mean, I think identically, yeah, well, definitely you know, the, like much all of the the first
0: was. Super Mario Brothers they were identical, right? And then Super Mario Brothers yeah, three yeah. they're identical, but in two you had all the two's the black sheep anyway, so.
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah. <laughs> Even in Mario World but, I think they played the same too. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think the pace of uh Donkey Kong Country is like quite fast. Like I just played through it and literally in like 30 minutes I finished the first stage. Yeah. <laughs> like the levels are kind of short and fast. Um, you know, you it, you you kind of move around. We were talking earlier um and well, a really interesting and fun thing about the game is there's kind of kind of like this like pacing with the um different things different platforming things that you're doing, like the the barrels, um like how you can just kind of like shoot through the barrels if you understand the t- this like rhythm or timing uh in the lo- and I've, I it's just hard to find platformers that are that have like that kind of feeling where you feel like you're kind of like connected to the game in this like rhythmic sort of way. Yeah. And it's just like they achieved it so well in it and it just feels really cool, especially for the barrels parts of the Yeah, game. it's
0: not really like say a Mega Man game, you, you kind of approach by thinking ahead of the jumps, you know, where do I position myself, especially classic Mega Man, um, you know, lining yourself up to shoot down enemies and that sort of thing, but in Donkey Kong Country, they gave you that roll that could kind of get you running and so you could get a good pace up quite quickly um, and it seemed like you could really just breeze through levels especially if you knew what was coming
1: yeah, it's almost like a musical. It's like a musical piece as you're playing. You're like jumping on enemies' heads, and they'll make a different sound. You swing across the rope, jump into a barrel. It really is like Rare set up the game so well. Like they made these, le- they made these levels so you can intentionally kind of cheese the levels if you know how to get through them. Like you can kind of run through it without stopping, basically.
0: Yeah. Now I'm not anywhere near that good. I played this game last year, and. Darn it! I can't get past that Minecraft. Uh, the mine carts. I almost said Minecraft.
2: <laughs> the mine cart. Level. Yeah, the mine. Yeah, the mine cart level. I just I beat that literally like yeah an hour ago. It's oh funny. nice! <laughs> I had to have. The so thing <laughs> is, no, go ahead. No, I died like five times.
1: I've just played Donkey Kong Country way too much. All three of them. I I played the. I probably beaten Donkey Kong Country at least twenty or thirty times. Oh man! Like, yeah. it's, for me, it's like I've just it was one of my go to games. It's one of the very first games I ever played. As a kid, it's basically we, that and Mario World were, were the two games that got me into video games in the first place. Oh, so nice. for me, it was just like an, it's an insanely special game that I've spent way too much time with. So I feel like I've kind of mem- memorized most of the levels and where <laughs> stuff is. I
0: would say so, because, like, yeah, I beat this game for the first time last year. Because as a kid, I could not get past that minecart level. This time around, yeah, I yeah, had yeah. to have my kid brother do it for me, and uh, he's like 15 years younger than me, so he's not like kid, kid. <laughs> but he did it, and I was like, "Man, thank you," because now I can finally face yeah, yeah. K rule. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I couldn't do. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. O- honestly, so I so I just played that level like literally an hour ago, and I have to say, it's like they nailed the kong platforming levels with the barrels and everything like so well but i feel i do feel like that might be like it's really fun it's like my fun and like my kind of like my my most favorite and my least favorite part of like that game like it's so cool but at the same time i feel like um, there's something a little slightly, a little bit off about how the the minecart jumps, and I feel like I'm always jumping into yeah. stuff, like I'm doing things unintentionally, and it's like it's harder than it should be. I guess. Well, I think that what that you're
0: looking at with the minecart levels is the equivalent of like the underwater level, right? Because that changes up mm-hmm. the physics of the game. So we've yeah, been yeah. sort of tutorialized by the opening levels of Donkey Kong Country to understand the pace and how the characters run and how they feel but then you hit a minecart level and you're like this is not exactly the same thing so it takes a little while yeah. to get used to now this new mm-hmm. sense of physics right
2: yeah it's yeah. like a totally different feeling yeah and you he- ca- and you
1: nailed it because you were talking about how donkey kong feels weighted and, and the mine cart, it definitely feels weighted, too. It doesn't jump as far as, you know, no, Diddy Kong yeah. would jump in the level. It doesn't seem like it. So your jump is more limited. And the rare intentionally put these crazy jumps where you have to basically <laughs> jump at exactly the right time. It really, it's all timing. And, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have the fluidity of, like, you know, say Mario or even Diddy Kong when you're running in the levels. It feels like the cart's weighted down. Yeah. I think that's intentional.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. On- and they put it – they put – it's kind of mind-boggling how early in the game they put the minecart levels, right? Like, you you could see, like, that being, like, an end game thing, but it's almost like they were saying, look, if you're going to make it through this game, I think this game is pretty hard, personally, especially with minecart levels, but it's almost like they put that there to say, if you can't get past this... You're not getting to the, the rest of this game, <laughs> okay, dude? <laughs> so, I mean, like, some of the blizzard stages are really hard. They were really hard for me to to get through. Yeah, yeah. You kind of got to use that trick where you roll off the edge of a of a cliff and then jump, like this really weird mechanic, but it gives you, you know, that much further of a distance that you can go. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the mine cart stages almost serve as a kind of uh, guard to the later the latter levels of this game.
1: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's I, that's I
2: really interesting.
1: Because the first minecart levels in the second world or the second area, whatever you want to call it, and there's a later one, there's a couple of later stages. Yeah. I think there's three Minecart levels. Oh
2: gosh, there's
0: that one where the skeleton ghost chases you right? Is that this game?
1: I think that's part two. Oh no. I think that's second Diddy Kong's Diddy Kong's quest. Okay. Where you have like you're riding on the uh it's not a cart, it's like a skeleton roller coaster. Thing yeah, There's not really like a name for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So I'm getting them confused. But yeah, the minecart levels can go stub their toe on a steam roller.
1: Oh my god, it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're very hard. So I know what we want another thing we wanted to touch touch on was um Diddy Kong and Donkey Kong and this kind of um immediacy to the co op. So Um, We talked already about how the two different characters handle, um, but one of the unique things about this game is how it allows the two different players to play. If one of you guys wants to break that down
1: yeah sure i can kind of do that so diddy kong and donkey kong both have different abilities we've already talked about a little bit of it with speed like donkey kong's obviously slower he's heavier but he also comes with a ground pound which is pretty useless i don't know if you guys ever use the ground pound i didn't I've never no. Used yeah no really. no um but he can basically there's certain enemies like that he can jump on that diddy can't like some of those really big strong kremlins that are really muscly. Like Donkey Kong can jump right on them, whereas if Diddy Kong jumps on them, he just bounces off because he's too small to take him out. Yes, and I love that.
0: I love that they gave them each sort of a strength and weakness. So Diddy Kong's much more agile, but he can't take down certain enemies just by jumping on them.
1: And there's an evil part in the game. It's later in the game, I think it's in the Creme Ink section where you're riding on this platform. It's a, it's like a rail platform. You can't move off the platform. And you can't tag each other out in the platform either. So whatever Kong you have, you're stuck with. So like I had Diddy and this big, big muscly like muscly like Kremlin jumps onto the platform with you and it's tiny. So I'm like, Oh my god, what do I do? <laughs> so the only way you can kill it with Diddy Kong is if you use cartwheel. You had a cartwheel into the enemy, but not cartwheel far enough where you'll fling yourself off the tiny platform you're stuck on too. Maybe if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that
0: is evil. (laughs) That's uh,
1: that's horrifying
0: game design. Now, you could, if you're playing this game one player, you could switch between the two characters, right? By pressing select, I believe it was, right?
1: You're not allowed to on the platform. Oh, one, That one part. You can't do it in midair,
0: right? You have to be standing. I don't know if you could do it in midair now. I don't think so. we will have to verify that at a later date. (laughs) But um, yeah, I wouldn't think that you could switch them in midair. I'm thinking you can't. Um, Because that would be a little game breaking, it seems like. Because then it's like. Yeah,
1: especially in part two where you have like Dixie who can fly. Yeah. yeah,
0: That's true. Um, So, but with two players though, you could assign um, either player to play as Donkey Kong or. Diddy Kong. One of the questions that we got was from Writer's View on Twitter. Do you prefer Donkey or Diddy? Which one was your guys' preference?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I prefer Donkey Kong. I'm not really sure why. I I think I just enjoyed that he's just, like, more powerful or something. Like, I don't know. He just... You just the quintessential Donkey Kong. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like Diddy Kong's always cartwheeling around or something. <laughs> like <laughs> doing his, his gymnastics like, in the jungle. <laughs> yeah, I want the I want the like power guy. <laughs>
0: yeah, he felt like a tank, even though he could only take one hit. It's kind of a weird, weird. Uh, I guess I'd say that's an achievement for game design, where they could make your character feel like he's this juggernaut of an unstoppable character, but you can still only take one hit. <laughs> and then you're toast right
1: what about what it's about true. you steven
0: what's your preference between the two
1: i'm a diddy kong guy ah, i like diddy i like donkey but i'm all diddy <laughs> because be. the thing is, is diddy can jump on all those trees you can do the further jump so i usually almost always have diddy out unless i know like for sure i need donkey kong for something i like diddy's speed i like cartwheeling through a bunch of enemies you can like take out like four different kremlins in, like one cartwheel yeah it's pretty awesome yeah that is
0: cool okay tiebreaker here <laughs> I prefer Diddy Kong as well. Uh, Sorry, (laughs) but uh, yeah, (laughs) the I like the the speed that he could move at. I always felt after playing Diddy for a while and then dying and then having to play as Donkey Kong, they were like, "Oh, this guy's so slow." But it was super (laughs) cool how he did feel unstoppable because you know they're they're like huge. Uh, What were they called, Kremlin's? You guys are the experts,
1: Kremlin's, Kremlin's,
0: which is kind of that's a weird. (laughs) reference for a nintendo game to make <laughs> kremlins but anyways uh the huge ones would walk by right and then you're just like with donkey kong psh, paperweights but the immediacy that this game has with its two-player co-op is i think something that's really valuable still um there are a lot of co-op games where you can either play simultaneously or you play by taking turns but and taking turns in terms of um, interchanging lives. So, you know, in a Mario game when uh, classically your character would die, then, you know, the next player would go. But in this game, uh, instead of starting over from the beginning of the level, uh, if if you have the both characters and one of the characters dies and you're playing two-player, the other person starts right then and there. Like, and that's midair, right? I remember you get hit by, like, a bee in the middle of the air, then the other person better be ready because they're going to start their turn right there and they have to figure that out. You know? So that sense of immediacy with the co-op is something that I think really makes Donkey Kong Country stand out
2: yeah absolutely like i feel like having um two people play it together like you both have to be pretty engaged because like maybe you're gonna die at some point or your opponent's your your uh, teammate or whatever (laughs) your friend's gonna die and then you get you gotta like switch out and um so like you're both playing it together even though even though it's co-op um you know I i think they did a really good job it's really unique i haven't seen that in too many other games yeah
1: and I mean, yeah, I got to say, this is absolutely brilliant on Rare's part because, yeah, like you said with Mario, it's so frustrating when you say, when you know you're just going to watch someone play like a four-minute level and you're just sitting there. And I've heard some people actually bash the Donkey Kong tag system because they say it's also slow. It's like, well, why can't you have two players playing the Kongs together? And Oh, simultaneously? Rare, yeah, yeah, like two guys running around. I don't buy that
0: in the least. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, the new ones like Donkey Kong Returns and Tropical Freeze, you can do it. Right. But you had a wider screen messy. today, right? That's true, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm because I'm thinking in terms of Super Nintendo games where you can where the co-op is simultaneous. Um, so I think of Zombies Ate My Neighbors is one of my favorite co-op games on the Super Nintendo. You guys share the sc- the same screen, but the screen is tiny. And so it's like, if one guy's like, well, I'm going south, and the other guy's well, I'm going north, then you have the typical, you know, you both get stuck. (laughs) And so I just don't think in a fast-paced platformer at that era with that size of screen that it would work. But you were talking about the newer Donkey Kong Country games, which I haven't played, so go ahead and elaborate on that.
1: Well, first of all, Retro Studios did a pretty good job with those games. They're really good. If you like the old ones, mm. you'll still like them, even though they're a bit different. But yeah, like I'm playing, I played Tropical Freeze with my friends, and we're both on the same screen. But you can tell that the game is designed more for like the one player experience. Uh-huh. It's re- it really does feel like the levels fit better if you're just playing it by yourself and you use the secondary Kongs to give you extra abilities. Okay, with two people, it's kind of like just chaos. You're both running around. Someone's always dying or getting hit by something, and. The, it doesn't really it doesn't really add anything to the game. Yeah. Whereas I felt like Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3 for the Super Nintendo, there was a lot of reasons to tag someone in and out. And a lot of like, especially number 2 and 3, like Rare made it even more important to tag for specific reasons. Right. But even in the original Donkey Kong Country, I still think it, it fits the game style much better. Because, yeah, you don't have two people awkwardly running around or the second player falling off the screen and getting sucked back to the first player yeah. like you would. And like Kirby, I think, does that. But um, yeah, I think that Rare intentionally designed the game to make it more playable for two players and a lot of fun and rewarding, but they gave it a purpose. So like, oh, you're Diddy. Like, maybe you can do this part easier. You can jump up to that tree or you can get to that barrel. Like, I'm going to tag you in. Or, hey, there's some, like, tough Kremlins up ahead. I'm going to tag you in because you're Donkey Kong. So I think Rare, intent- they did a really good job planning that out. Yeah,
0: no, I definitely, I, I, I would agree with that. I think that, um, well, that happened quite frequently when I played this game last year with my brother, um, where I was like, I don't think this this area is going to be my specialty, like he was really good with the mine carts, but I was really good with the the cannon barrels like and the timing there so mm-hmm. anytime we saw that there was a different kind of section coming up, something that either fit his specific strengths as a person or the strengths of the character he was playing as, we could tag team in and out uh, a game that I'm thinking of when you're talking about. Uh, simultaneous co-op is Super Mario br- or New Super Mario Brothers. Wii. Did you guys play any games from that series? Oh yeah, I,
1: I did.
2: I did play the first one.
0: Okay, the that's Wii. the one that I've played too. How about you, Steven?
1: I don't think I played that one. No. Okay, it's that's for Wii or Wii U. I think
0: it's Wii. Well, I don't have a Wii U, so it's the Wii. first
2: one. The first one's for the Wii, for sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: Now no, I
0: didn't play that, that one. one. Has some extremely awkward co-op. Um, you could have four players simultaneous, on a platformer, a Mario-style platformer, but they made it so that your your characters are kind of like bumper cars. Um, so if you jumped on another character's head, um, it would push that character down, which obviously would suck in midair um, over a pit, but it would kind of launch your character further. Or if you bumped into each other, they kind of created like this... Elasticity to the characters almost rather than <sighs> occupying the same space, which it's it was a fun game, but I was like, I never want to play a co op like this ever
2: again. <laughs> yeah, Dude. yeah, and 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 I think like it to some extent co op is necessary in that game, right? Yeah, like there it, are some
0: things you can't like, reach without co op and stuff like that, I think.
2: Yeah. Like, I found that game, like playing it by myself, to be really hard. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I actually didn't beat yeah. that it's game. It's awkward, right? Cause it's I've, like you kind of need a,
0: other people with you. But then at the same time, when they yeah. screw up your jump, or is it like, <laughs> like my wife and I, when we were <laughs> playing that game, we just kept bumping into each other, pushing each other off of platforms and stuff. And I was like, this sucks. But they, <laughs> they had a, a different way to kind of compensate with that. So it's not like if you fell off, um, Like you wouldn't die. You would come back in like the Yoshi's Island bubble and then like the other players can pop the bubble and you come right back. So I think you only lose if all of the characters that are currently playing um, fall or get hit or something like that. But yeah, it's still kind of a stressful game design. So I think that with Donkey Kong Country, I think that they hit a really great balance with that tag team. Um, I think it's perfect for the, the scale of the levels. And the rate that you can play them at. Again, because we were talking about pace. Imagine two people keeping up with the same pace. That would be pretty hard, I think. I want to get into... I ran a poll on Twitter um, that got 277 votes. It was asking, which is your preferred uh game of the donkey kong country super nintendo trilogy (laughs) um so did you guys see that before i or i'm gonna quiz you on it
1: i did yeah (laughs) usually usually i'm the guy on twitter so i saw that post i saw you put that poll up a few days ago and two and one were tied no (laughs) they they were okay
0: so they were for like a while like at like 150 something votes um they're both at like 45 percent each but now which one do you think won which one do you think is the preferred game
1: Donkey Kong Country 2 ah uh, see that's what I, <laughs> thought I thought it was
0: gonna be but it was actually the third game no I'm just kidding it was, it was <laughs> <laughs> You're Like, what the? spit out your coffee <laughs> um that was the first game the first game won at 48 percent out of 277 votes Second game forty three percent, third game nine percent. So yeah, that's wow. kind of
1: poor. Doctoral Dark, Dark country three. I loved. I love three, even though yeah. it's kind of the black. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've ever beaten three. Um, someday. But my preference is actually for the second game. Um, I think it's very refined. I think the the um. The amount of detail that went into the level design, you know, you could move in not just horizontal fashion, but vertical fashion, much more secret rooms, that sort of thing. Um, so my preference is actually for the second game, but what about you guys? Do you prefer this one, or?
2: <laughs> well, we we were uh, kind of playfully arguing about it earlier. So as a kid, I really didn't play the second or third ones at all, so... All of my like nostalgic memories from my childhood are from the first game, so I feel like I'm just like biased. Like I'm, I'm just love the first game. I, I don't, know. <laughs> and
0: that's perfectly valid for for preference, you know. I mean, like that's the that's one yeah. that you played. That makes sense,
2: you know. Yeah, and and it was the I think the most like meteorically successful game that Nintendo released of the series. Um, it just like blew everybody away, and I think at the time in 1994, it was just like an incredible uh, game to have and not i mean I, d- I do think that the sequels are amazing and they add a lot to the games like like especially the ability to kind of like float or fly mm-hmm. or whatever like that was that was really cool but i just never played that as a kid so i don't know i mean i, I wish that i did I, I probably would have a a different opinion but i don't know i really really love the first one it's definitely like a like a highlight
0: well you're talking like success of the first game that's why it's kind of like the poll mm-hmm. results aren't too surprising. Donkey Kong Country, the first one, was the third best-selling game on the Super Nintendo behind yeah. uh, Super Mario All-Stars and Super Mario World. So I like tons of people played this game. So it would make yeah, sense yeah. that that's the preferred one. But what about you, Steven? Which is your preferred?
1: No, I just want to say I love all three of these games. Like whenever equally? Donkey Kong Country comes up... <laughs> not equally, not equally. But, um... <laughs> This is like literally a top five favorite series for me ever. Oh, yeah. Like, I just adore all three of these games so much, and I played them all to death as a kid. But no, I go number two. Uh, Diddy's Conquest is my favorite. I love Donkey Kong Country 1 for its simplicity. It's kind of like pick up and play, there's not anything you really have to do in the game. Yeah. But I thought, like you said, 2 is just much more refined. I actually think it has a better soundtrack. Ooh, that's I controversial, liked...
0: and we'll get into that. <laughs> that is
1: controversial. <laughs> I probably should delete it. That's it's <laughs> all good. I know somebody had a heart attack but, listening to that. Like, the first <laughs> game soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. But two, yeah, I was just playing two again, and I it's It just like sucked me right in, and I was like, oh my god, this this game is just so perfect. The controls seem a little tighter to me. I don't know if I'm imagining that or not. I love the environment. The environments are darker. It's kind of got like a more like serious tone than the first one. The animations are still amazing, but mostly it's the level design. It's just like everything in two. Like the save points are easier to get. The boss fights are more creative. Um, I thought the levels had more secrets that mattered, like finding the DK coins mm-hmm. was a lot of fun yeah. and finding the, finding the coins to get to the secret world. Like There's a lot of depth there that was kind of missing in the first game. To me, it felt like the first game's secrets were there, but they didn't really matter. Yeah, There's nothing you could really get from them, but two, it just like... It's literally an improvement in every way over one yeah. in terms of, like, how it how it kind of plays out. And that's
0: what you would kind of hope from a sequel, certainly, that it would take all the good from the first game and kind of build on it. Um, so, like, one, one negative, maybe the only negative that we mentioned so far was DK's ground pound. Um, there's not really anything like that in the second game that's kind of just, like, it's a feature, but nobody really uses it. Uh, Diddy and Dixie Kong both have sort of their rolling... Uh, movement. You got the cartwheel, right? He still has a cartwheel. And then I think so. Yeah, yeah, and then Dixie has like a hair whip move where she can you know plow through enemies. And then you've got um sort of the 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 hovering uh move that Dixie Kong can do, which made Dixie Kong my preferred character. I was like, I will take a hover any day.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. But they did a good job because that game has, like, different character barrels. There's, like, certain parts you have to use Diddy Kong. Yeah. And they also have, like, the throwing mechanic where you can pick up the other Kong and toss them to get to extra areas, which I thought was really clever. Yes, that was
0: not in the first game. That's right.
1: No, you can't throw in the first game.
0: Oh, okay. So that's a that's a good mechanic right there. Um, But, yeah, my uh, a lot of the, the preferences... That I saw online, which kind of just surprised me, that DKC won was, um, for example, Jeff Man fourteen ninety on Twitter said two, then one, then three. That's my that's my order of preference. I didn't meet anyone who kind of came out of the shadows and was like, oh, three's my favorite of the <laughs> of the trilogy. <laughs> but I'm sure they're out there. So um, yeah, enjoy. What was the was it just Baby Kong Was the name of the other?
1: Uh, Kitty, Kitty Kong, Kong I think is his name Worst Kong, <laughs> the worst yeah. Kong. In Christ. order
0: of Kongs <laughs> He was the bottom Kong uh, Speaking of, of Quality Kongs I guess That's a weird segue But uh, I wanted to talk briefly about Character design uh, Between the original Donkey Kong And Donkey Kong Country's Donkey Kong I drew a little cartoon Because That's what I enjoy doing. But you could kind of see the first arcade kind of Donkey
1: Kong. Like, how would you describe that guy? I would say... He looks to me... He looks like a classic villain from, like, the 1940s cartoon. And he was, right?
0: I mean, like, Donkey Kong historically is a Mario villain, right? He kidnapped Daisy and Jumpman had to go and, and rescue him. But... He just kind of looks like...
1: Was that Mario's name, Jumpman? That
0: was originally. He was uh, he was Jumpman <laughs> before he was Mario, which, yeah, g- good job changing that <laughs> name. <laughs> Could you imagine Super, Jump, super Jumpman. Jumpman, Jumpman World would be such a stupid name. So, <laughs>
1: change. Jumpman RPG, that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> super
0: Jumpman Galaxy, yeah. It's it's great that they changed <laughs> the name. Super Jumpman Sunshine. <laughs> Super Jump Man Odyssey, we could get through this all day. Um but yeah, Donkey Kong, original Donkey Kong. Uh look kind of dopey, kind of stupid, kind of uh dim witted. Uh especially his in game sprite where he's just kinda like you know, pounding his chest and that oh, donkey yeah. mess on his face. He looks like he has like no personality, essentially. Um
1: I have a question. Do you guys think maybe that was inspired by King Kong? Cause that's kind of what it reminds me of a little bit. I, and that'd be like the kind of the classic ape in movies before. Oh yeah. Donkey Kong I would say, so
0: especially with kidnapping the girl, you know, and, and like, that's, that's definitely a, a King Kong motif. But what I'd heard is that Shigeru Miyamoto uh, came up with the name Donkey Kong because he merely thought it sounded silly Which I guess is a good reason for a game, a game's (laughs) name. But uh, yeah, so then getting to Donkey Kong Country, I think it's such a a great um, jump from the arcade version of the character to modernize him um then in the 90s it kind of gave him much more personality you know you could see him smiling and showing his teeth his beady eyes kind of gave him a little more uh <laughs> sense of of there being a mind behind that you know that that face uh, i'm probably overthinking this but the one thing that i think was really good is the tie the necktie um i don't think that donkey kong country was the first time they used the tie um but i'm not sure on that now oh gosh do you guys know
2: but i think i was reading earlier about it and i think there was a game for the game game boy that came out that had it for the first time oh, oh yes
0: man, you're thinking of shoot and i just it was um yeah it was just called donkey kong on the Game Boy, it shows the old the old design for Donkey Kong. He's carrying what looks like Pauline from uh, Mario Odyssey over his shoulder, and he's got the red necktie with his initials on it, so he doesn't yeah. forget his name. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I, I was also reading. It's kind of interesting, but apparently the, the redesign was uh, it was it was a bit of a struggle because like I guess Shigeru Miyamoto really didn't want to go with the modern. He want he wanted more of like the arcade. Like he wanted something more intermediate than what Rare was like kind of like yeah. pushing,
0: which is understandable. I mean, yeah. you create a character, you're like yeah, but this is my design, though so, you know, and it kind of becomes <laughs> your baby. But I'm glad he let that one go because yeah, I'm, compare it comparison. Why is I think the new design for Donkey Kong is uh much better than the original design.
2: It's very 90s too. Yeah, I I com- I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. Yeah, like it's uh I don't know. It's just a cool yeah. character.
0: <laughs> well, like and I read too that they tried to um design him after like real gorillas. I think that's my doorbell. You guys, I am very sorry. That's that never that's happens. Okay, man. I live in like a tiny town. I will be right back
1: poor Donkey Kong Country three man, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well it, I mean we could talk about it, but it kind of I think it kind of came out at, at a bad time too because everyone was thinking about the n64 at that point
1: right, yeah I mean there's a few games like that like Kirby's Dreamland three came out in 1997 that's like the same time Final Fantasy seven was coming out on the PlayStation and like yeah I mean that's like not a great a great not a great time to release a mass of Major title, you know, two years after your system's basically kind of been the last generation.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like, I think generally, um, like games that come between generations, if they don't come out for like multi-platforms, which is kind of seemingly like the trend now, is to make games that work for, work for like m- like multiple platforms if they're like kind of towards the end. You know, like, Zeldas seem to do that now.
1: Yeah, the Nintendo always does that with Zelda. Because it always, it always gets released right at the end and beginning of a cycle, it seems.
2: Yeah. yeah. Or and they it's, just remaster it's like a smart, it. It's like, a smart move, though.
1: Yeah. I think, like, The Last of Us, like, Sony was pretty smart. They they knew that was, like, a swan song game for the PS3, so they just brought it right to the PS4.
2: Yeah. Dude, I wonder if the new Last of Us will be, like, PS4 PS5. No
1: idea, man. I don't even think that game has a time time frame to come out yet. Some people say yeah. 2019, some say 2020. I
2: like, think, dude, I think it might be the last hurrah of the PS4. Like, Blast if it comes 10. out at all. Yeah. If
1: it comes out at all. <laughs> it's not Final well, Fantasy I mean, it, VII.
2: <laughs> okay, it'll come out, but it'll it might be for the PS5 is the thing. I could see that it being
0: like a title on the PS five. I don't
2: know. So what you guys have been talking about last of us 2. Well, we're, we're just, we're just talking about how like Diddy Kong country, or sorry, Donkey Kong country three was killed because it was towards the end of the SNES life cycle. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: kind of unfortunate.
2: Yeah. Like, I remember when it came out and we are like, Oh, are still making these? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: so, yeah. Um, it's not like, cause you think about it, it's not like with the, the NES, The NES had a fairly late, like shelf life uh, on into the 16bit age, but you had a game like Kirby's Adventure that came out super late and you're like, this is like a really high-end NES game, but then the difference between eight and 16 bit is much smaller than it, than the difference between 16bit and early 3d yeah like those two things are dramatically different like you would play Donkey Kong Country and then you'd play Metal Gear Solid. And those games are dramatically different. Hugely different. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, oh, I think I was talking about gorillas. Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. you were talking about gorillas. Okay. So, (laughs) um, so with Donkey Kong, I, I read that they tried to design him and his movements after real gorillas, Um, You know, I kind of get this, like, image of, like, the animators and developers going to, like, a zoo and, like, sketching how gorillas move and stuff like that. Eventually, they realize that, like, it's too slow um, and gorillas don't really do much of (laughs) anything. They just kind of sit around and eat. So it's weird. But when you you realize this, but you play Donkey Kong Country and um, Donkey Kong kind of runs like a horse uh, more than a gorilla – so it's an it's another really interesting thing about this new redesign, where he's this weird amalgamation of like human behaviors and gorilla appearance, but he's running like you know a different kind of like equestrian animal at all. So um, it's just it's a great design in my opinion.
1: I think it's one thing I, we didn't really touch upon much that's absolutely amazing in Donkey Kong Country that's completely lacking in any of the other series at that time is the animation. You know, just like the, the character redesign, but also just like the animation in the game, you know. Um, it's something that I think as a kid I definitely noticed because there, there's points where you put down your Super Nintendo controller and you're right next to a ledge. And if you put Donkey Kong next to next, right next to a ledge, like on the edge of it, his eyes will actually bulge out of his head and he'll kind of like wave his arms like he's kind of losing <laughs> his balance. And the little stuff like that is just all through the game. There's so many cool animations. Like, when, when my favorite one, I think, is when you go to one of the bonus rooms, and if you lose with Diddy Kong, he, like, tosses his hat on the floor and starts, like, stomping on it like a, like a petulant child or something. It's just, yes. just great. It's absolutely yes. great. That's that's
0: personality again, and that this game has tons of stuff like that. And they definitely continue that on into the future series. But you remember sort of the pre I think it's the pre-title screen, where you have Cranky Kong, <laughs> Cranky this old Kong. shriveled up Kong, my favorite of the Kongs actually, who's the original Donkey Kong, which is even cooler. Um and he's like playing his like Victrola or whatever with like a, a vinyl record and then uh Donkey Kong comes in and like what like throws down like a barrel or it explodes or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Yep. Um so it's this sense of like like quasi irreverence but like 90s coolness, like hyper coolness, you know? And I think that bleeds nicely not just into the personality of the the animations, but it bleeds nicely into the music of the game. Um certainly Donkey Kong Country is known for it's music. Um, now, you mentioned, Stephen, earlier that uh, you prefer the second game soundtrack. Okay, and that's controversial. We'll dig into that a little <laughs> a little here. Uh, and Toby, you, I'm guessing you prefer the first game soundtrack since that's the one yeah. that you played. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Right? Absolutely.
0: Okay. So I, I prefer the second one for Sticker Brush Symphony, which is like one of the most beautiful pieces that I've ever heard in video game music. But the first game... Has a lot of great music. Um, my favorite, and this one obviously has to be mentioned, is uh, aquatic ambiance. Uh, it's such a peaceful, beautiful, echoing, haunting uh, bit of music. But what are some other like like highlights for the music that you'd say in this game? Because very ambient compared to the rest of yeah. the series.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like just having a lot of atmospheric music is really cool. Um, like it, it, it has some music that sounds more atmospheric and other music that sounds like, like it has like a really strong melody. Um, Mm -hmm. like that tune when you, when you jump into the, the save barrels, (laughs) I don't know like the, or like the, I can't, I can't, but like also like, can you hum it? Oh no, (laughs) (laughs) but like also the, the tune when you're in the, um, what is it? The. The thing, the 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 little plane that like flies you around to the different levels. Oh, yeah. Funky cars. Funky cars. Man, like you you have these really strong melodies, and it's it doesn't sound as atmospheric. So, I don't know. It's really cool. David Wise did an amazing job, and I was I was reading about it, and apparently, um, he thought that his music was totally just going to get replaced when Nintendo listened to it because like, they're like, Oh, this is a really important game. Like, we don't know if we can go with this cause it's totally different. So we'll just go with like a Japanese composer, but they kept like his stuff. So <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And good on good them on because them. yeah. Uh, well, you think in terms of the
0: Nintendo Canon, you've got Metroid that sounds really spooky mm-hmm. and haunting and, uh, and dark. And then you've got Mario. That's very cheerful. Oftentimes influenced by you know like reggae beats and rhythms and ragtime and things like that. Um, then you've got The Legend of Zelda that sounds very adventurous and sort of stereotypically um, high fantasy. But then you've got this game and capturing a sound for this game that's very percussive and fun but not in the same way as Super Mario um, with different musical influences, I think was a brilliant thing to do um i remember the first time i heard i think it's called the dk island swing uh if it's that like you're like oh dude i love this
2: game yeah yeah you can't you can't not love it
0: no i mean that's such a like a a fun like whimsical piece of music, you know. Yeah, uh, it almost sounded like it almost sounds like somebody saying banana over and over again, <laughs> um, which you remember. This is, this is such a stupid thing, but uh, you remember back in the day when they had synthetic voices, right, in games, or be like, <laughs> like
2: well, I don't
0: know what I don't know what it said, but <laughs> that's cool. My game's talking to me. I thought that 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 song was somebody saying banana over and over again, <laughs> which made it all that more endearing to me. <laughs>
1: so, That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was uh, not the brightest banana in the bunch,
1: but <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, there. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, any any more comments on the music?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that. It- again i mean it's another like there's so much attention to detail in this game and i think the music is such a reflection of that like when you go into the mini games it has that really fun music that kind of like carnival-esque kind of like african beats like rhythm stuff going on but yeah the atmosphere in this game i, I forgot how atmospheric the soundtrack was until i was replaying it but there's so many there's so many songs in the game that aren't even really like that melodic you kind of have to have like noises and like ambient sounds and my favorite yeah. one will for i mean this as a kid, we used to hum this all the time the cave music, like when you go in the caves, like the platforms I don't know how to describe these levels other than calling them caves, but the caves yeah. the caves have the best music in the game despite being some of my least favorite levels in the game Ah, uh, yeah and it's kind of, yeah,
0: I like um some of like the forest uh music. Uh, was really cool, and it's it's interesting how organic this soundtrack sounds, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's being played on wooden drums and wooden sticks and things like that, with odd percussive noises kind of echoing in the background, you know.
1: And even those snow levels when the blizzard starts coming, and it has those creepy kind of like synth notes that come in, I was like, wow, this is like exactly. It's kind of I'm kind of kind of freaked out, you know. Starting to like really snow yeah. down, I get these creepy like piano noises. They do kind of. They make you feel a sense of sort of isolation in your environments and sort of the the feeling of like, yeah, you're in a beautiful world. There's a lot to look at and it's really like kind of dazzling, but it's also a bit dangerous and foreboding at the same time. And that David Wise, he just captures it so well. And I mean like – I love that there's just so many different facets of the soundtrack. You've got the fun, like African stuff, you got the atmospheric stuff and it, you just like it, they play the songs enough times or they'll get stuck in your head. Even the atmospheric stuff, like the, the water music. yeah. So yeah. yeah amazing soundtrack.
0: It's, it's, it's really subtle kind of how some of this music affects you. Um, the real atmospheric stuff sounds borderline sound effect more than a soundtrack. Um, but that really gives you a sense of like the foreboding quality of a level or the, the sense of the impending snow or in the minecart level. <laughs> it's, it's like, I've heard that music in my nightmares <laughs> It's like some spooky music. All right. So this is from Fritstalja on Twitter. Is there an identifiable increment in game design through the series in the Super Nintendo era? How does DKC stand out? With its following entries, is it the characters or the novelty? So why, I guess, try to sort of to crystallize all that. Um, why do you guys think that people prefer the first game? Um, beyond, let's say, Toby and your nostalgia for it, specifically because you played it the majority of the time. What's something that you would say people would prefer the first game for over its sequels?
1: Um, I guess I can start that off. Uh, I think it's the simplicity of the original Donkey Kong Country. There's the levels are huge and there's secrets everywhere, but it's very much kind of it's sort of straddles between like the arcadiness of S- Sonic and like the death of Mario, and I think that like when you play Donkey Kong Country the original, there's no real stress in finding the secrets. You just kind of pick it up, you play it, you have fun. And whereas I think the second and the third game, there's a lot more pressure to explore and find the secrets and you really mm-hmm. have to get more immersed in the game. So I think the simplicity of Donkey Kong Country is, it just wins you over and it's much more pick and up and play.
0: Yeah, no, that that's true. And something that popped in my head was you were talking about the simplicity was this game does not have a timer. Um, you can sort of take things at your leisure. You can backtrack. Um, you can do all sorts of different things to explore, um but it has a it has a kind of simple leisurely pace to it even though you can play it at a high speed pace you can also sort of take your time as well right what Very about true. you uh toby
2: yeah i mean i definitely uh kind of agree with uh, what you guys are saying about kind of like the simplicity of the first one. I, I think that's kind of like as a kid. like I think I rented the second one or something like that. Cause I definitely played it and yeah, like just the f- like the second one is just much more complicated. Like the, f- the floating uh, or, you know, technique or whatever, like all the moves uh, seem a little bit more, um, have a lot more going on. And I just I feel like the first one just captured a a more of like a simple platforming experience maybe, and just Mm -hmm. yeah, just the fact that it was such an incredible experience at the time really added a lot to it. Um, I don't I don't know I think I think that's generally kind of where I'm coming from from that with that.
0: Okay, a couple of these were pretty much things that we covered, so I'll just. give these shout outs to these folks. This is from Chris BG99. Said, "Personally, I think the graphics hold up a lot better than people say." I'd agree with that for the most part. Um and I know you you guys did too. We it was something we touched on.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh this is from Playjack Sayback on Twitter. "How did they get the character graphics and animations to look so smooth?" Um none of us are developers, right? You yeah, guys aren't no. developers, are developers, right? Okay. Yeah. So I don't know technically how they did it, but they did it. And they did it well.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, and that's yeah, we were, yeah. But I mean, that's like a really interesting part of Donkey Kong Country because they they purchased the Silicon Graphics workstations, and I think they took a huge risk when they did it. I think like like one of the the workstations was like ninety thousand dollars or something like that. Like they put a lot of their money, like their success from like the NES era, into like buying these things. So they took the total took a risk to like make this game and like like uh, woo Nintendo with it. So. Um, I think I think that's really awesome and it's a huge part of what makes the game so awesome, just the these, you know, computer graphic rendered images and everything. And, and and also just kind of like the way that they were able to take these um, you know, high quality rendered images and integrate them into such a limited cartridge space for like the SNES, like that that is just really hard. And I think like we made an episode on Rare and we like researched Rare a lot. And um like what when you start like looking into like Tim, Tim, and Chris Stamper, are like the two dudes behind Rare, like you realize that their work, their like work ethic and like willingness to just like spend so much time on their games and just like to make like really high quality games that like other developers just weren't making at the time. Like you really realize that like it's a really special game, and like it's definitely a lot of it has to do with Rare as a company.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean it paid off though. Yeah. They yeah. sold this is this number here says nine million three hundred thousand units sold. Like this is ninety-four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's a lot of titles. Yeah. Um so they definitely made back their, oh. their investment.
2: Oh absolutely. Yeah, no, they definitely yeah. did. They knew what they were doing on that one. Yeah.
0: Um, here's a question from Buck Chuck Gaming on Twitter that I don't know how to answer. He said, have you guys tried the Cranky Kong run? <laughs> Do you know what that is?
1: I don't even know no. what that would be, honestly.
2: <laughs> really? Can, oh, no. What about you, Toby? You know, you cranky Kong. Is? I wish I knew what that was, but I don't know. Is this in the original
1: right. Donkey Kong Country?
0: He, he didn't provide any other...
1: Cranky Kong
0: run. Because it. It, it might me, be like me. a fan hack.
1: You could use Cranky Kong in the newest game in uh, Tropical Freeze, but that's the only game, as far as I know, where he's playable.
0: Right, yeah, I'm pretty sure it wasn't playable Uh, After you beat the game Okay, so this is for Donkey Kong Country This is from Game Facts After you beat the game, Cranky Kong says He beat the entire game in less than one hour And in only one life What happens if I do this? I've beaten the game in 45 minutes But never with one life Okay, so that I guess would be the Cranky Kong run. Have you, have you, have you guys like timed yourselves? Oh my this god, game? no!
1: I definitely never
2: beat it anywhere near that that quickly. I mean,
1: the game, the game will actually take time for you. It'll tell you how long you played. But no, I could. I don't think I could beat it in under an hour, especially not with one life. There's almost zero chance.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you've got to be a master. Well, I mean, he's Cranky Kong, the original DK. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. It's got good moves for know? an
1: old old Kong.
0: Yeah, that's why he's my favorite Kong right there. All right. Um, so this is from Cecil underscore 234, who said um, the second game improved over the first with its save feature, had better levels in music. We touched on that. Um, somebody else, uh, Bitland Comic, said the sequels missed the mark for them. Uh, and somebody, TGF Stream, agreed with that. The first one was revolutionary and totally different. Both others were just the same but less. Uh, so that kind of bridges into the comparisons between the sequels. Don't want to get too much into the nitty-gritty of that, and I think we addressed a lot of the differences between the sequels. But um, when I think about this game and Donkey Kong Country 2, it's the soundtrack. That's that's the the clincher for me um cardiac drop on twitter called the soundtrack mega sexy excellence which i would agree <laughs> with that's <laughs> a very very pythy turn of phrase but uh the second one is is my favorite for for the music like i said because of um the um sticker brush symphony which is an amazing just a piece of music um then you've got that uh the mine cart um not the mine cart but the mine music that's, in the second yeah, game
1: yeah that's my personal favorite that's my favorite Donkey kong track ever as far as the okay, music now, goes.
0: okay now so this is so this is this is something that I've done before a couple times on magecast uh can you sing um, that mine song <laughs> can you are you guys either you guys musically
1: do do, do 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 Dee
0: Yes, that was beautiful. All right. So that means Toby he set the precedent. We gotta do
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do, 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 I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. So uh yeah, that mine that mine song from the second game is incredible. Um Stickerbrush Symphony is really good. Um the King K Rule uh song in the second game is I think really brilliant. It has like this sweeping like percussion to it. Like, that I think is really interesting. But both these games have fairly different kind of soundtracks. I would say the second one's much more melodic, but uh, the first one for its ambiances is, is second to almost none um, that I can think of. I mean, Super Metroid's up there with its atmospheric soundtrack as well but i mean aquatic ambiance is a great piece of music
2: yeah absolutely agree with that okay here's a
0: here's a hard question for you guys this is from the arcade castle on twitter how many bananas <laughs>
2: <laughs> in the whole game bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how many bananas well he's he's searching for the bananas right that's the whole point like the plot yeah yes. so the answer uh. is at
0: zero right uh because he had all his bananas stolen like that's the that's the premise of the yeah, game right yeah, yeah. king k Rule stole his banana hoard <laughs> and he lives on an island rather than go picking more bananas he just <laughs> has to go and steal back his dude don't you just love the premises of retro games like you didn't need you didn't need like this dramatic story it was just like dude stole his bananas he's got
2: to get those
0: bananas i got those back Somehow, exactly I mean, it is brilliant, you know, and it's it's enough to set the game by, so arcade castle answer is zero um we already just talked about the soundtracks, but I wanted to give a shout out to Miao Te Ching on Twitter who said the d k c soundtrack popular one with all the hits everybody likes d k c two soundtrack, the technical masterpiece that's appreciated by music nerds, but not as popular what say you yeah we talked about our preferences um here's an interesting question this is from gp animations on twitter any plans for an official vinyl release of the soundtrack do you guys collect video game vinyl uh
2: i don't i don't have the space <laughs> <laughs> i don't have the space you know, i man.
1: don't i mean i would really love to if i was going to collect anything it'd probably be vinyl and i saw like they made a castlevania 4 vinyl that i really wanted but i don't collect vinyl
2: yeah, it'd be, it sounds cool, though. I would I would pick up Donkey guess. Kong. Oh, I would, too. This is what I got for
0: Christmas. Oh, oh nice. Oh, nice man. That's, a,
2: that's a real good one. Oh, I, love yeah, I love that I've game. I've been listening
0: the heck out of it. Dude, I love that but, game. Uh, so I guess that Donkey Kong Country had a um, a limited release. Um, not an official one by Moonshake Records, I think it was called. I did a little research into it. And since it was limited, now it's like, Super hard to find a copy, you know, like a hundred bucks on eBay and stuff like that. It's kind mm-hmm. of a shame, but uh, it, I think it would be—I mean, they would sell big bucks if Nintendo put out, um, you know, official vinyl releases of of their games. I mean, like I would buy a Super Mario Galaxy vinyl in like a heartbeat. Like that's a game that has a great soundtrack.
1: Yeah, I would have to pick up like every Zelda soundtrack. Probably Skyward
2: Sword, by like, yeah. number one. <laughs>
1: Oh really? See, I haven't played Skyward
2: Sword. Uh, yeah, I, music, I totally though. disagree with Skyward Sword. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your favorite Zelda? Uh probably Wind Waker. Okay. But just for the soundtrack uh, my, though?
1: Even Wind Waker's yeah, soundtrack? Okay.
2: Sound, no, 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 it's got a soundtrack. I love that game. Oh, dude, that's the really the game. ocean that da da da.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. for like yeah. an hour cuz you're on <laughs> Yeah, that pretty much cuz you're like traveling forever but you, you never seem to get there. But... Oh, I love it. <laughs>
0: Oh, Wind Waker is, is beautiful. <laughs> That's a great. And um, my favorite Zelda is is Link's Awakening, way back on the Game Boy. So uh, maybe not on vinyl for that one. Uh, it's kind of high pitched, but there you are. Um, that is actually it for our audience responses. We got quite a bit through the the polls and the and the questioning. Um, thank you to everyone who who shared some thoughts on on this game. But in closing. Final question I like to ask you guys is: What is at least one similar game that you would recommend, similar to Donkey Kong Country, that you would recommend? Sequels are kind of cheating. So. Right? I can't yeah,
1: say Donkey Kong game. Um,
2: Oh, that's a hard one.
1: That is a hard question cuz it's pretty it's it's not exactly like any other game I've played. I mean, there's similarities, right. but uh I guess I might I, I'm going to kind of cheat here. I guess I'd probably pick something like uh Kirby Superstar maybe. Okay. In the fact that there's kind of like a tag-in and out t- system where you can kind of like pick up new allies like, as you go and there's a lot to explore and there's no timer and it's definitely a game to be appreciated by kind of like platforming nerds. It's not as easy as some of the other Kirby games. Um, Other than that, I might even say something like Castlevania, maybe something like Castlevania 4. It's another game with a lot of exploration involved. It's slow, slower paced. Very different kind of game, but it's also, there's some similarities I guess you could draw upon. I think if you like Donkey Kong, you're probably going to be looking for challenging platformers. So, yeah. so a lot of this stuff like Castlevania, uh, I would say Mega Man's quite different, but Castlevania, Kirby, maybe even something like um, V, the game. I don't know how you say this game, like V, 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 oh, V, 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 v. Like, Yeah, <laughs> the
0: six Vs game? Yeah, yeah, like that's, yeah. Another, that's a great game.
1: If you really want a challenging platformer, that one's pretty hard, but still really fun. Yeah. So those are some games I might throw in.
0: Yeah, and there's no shortage of brutal platformers these days. Absolutely, like that's yeah. almost a new genre of like you got like Super Meat Boy and like uh, Celeste yeah. you mentioned earlier and that sort of yeah. thing.
2: I don't know. So I would go probably with like a like Sonic Mania or something like that. I don't know. Like there's so many great platformers, but just choose a really good platformer. And I really love Sonic Mania and like oh like any of those kinds of games. Like Celeste is really great, but it's like I would say it's totally different with the difficulty level and everything like that. But um. Yeah. Like. I. I. I don't know. Let's just find some good platformers. There's a lot of them. Okay. That's. A,
0: that's. That's fair. Um. This is probably not the best game to mention. Do you guys remember on the NES a game called Mick Kids? Mc Kids. I don't think There's I ever played McDonald's that.
2: It was a no? McDonald's <laughs> game. McDonald's <laughs> game. I don't think I ever played <laughs> this
0: game. Uh, okay. Well, let me. Let me share a screen for a second. <laughs> oh my god. So, yeah, I get it. This is, ladies and gentlemen, or just gentlemen, Mick Kids. <laughs> uh, it is a it is a, uh, a very tightly oh knit two player style platformer where you played as these two kids exploring magical realms in McDonald's Land. Uh, if you have not played it, it is not a masterpiece, so don't worry. <laughs> but it's it's worth playing for the LOLs sometime. Uh yeah. It is. I don't know why I thought of this game. <laughs> so definitely not in terms of quality is it at all similar, but um I just thought of it in terms of like the the co-op platformer value. Um if yeah, the next time you guys meet in wherever it is that you guys meet and hang out, I know you're in two different places right now, but y'all should play some some Mick kids and have a blast just laughing at it. <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> It's an abomination. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, anyway, last thing is I just wanted to ask uh, where can we find you guys? Where can we find your podcast?
1: Okay, I'll, to, I'll do this one. All right. Uh, we are The Pixel Meditations. That's the name of our podcast, The Pixel Meditations. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, uh, The Pixel Meditations with no S actually on Twitter. So it's the pixel pixel meditation, just pixel meditation. Uh, you can also contact us at pixel meditations at gmail.com or you can just find us on our Podbean page, which is just type in Google pixel meditations. It'll bring you right to the Podbean page. And yeah, we got about 19 episodes. We just did a rare episode, a couple, a uh, few weeks back. So yeah, we're, we're kind of a fledgling podcast and we're having a lot of fun doing it. So come check us out. If you, if you kind of liked what you heard tonight.
0: Yes. And, oh man i need to listen to that rare episode because now i'm like in rare mode from from this donkey kong country talk
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, we really we really enjoyed making the episode like there's so many facts and like things to cover like the different eras of rare and like it was really cool to just like kind of go through all of it you guys have some other favorite rare games
1: yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) banjo kazooie (laughs) Banjo Kazooie. I've never played it. Really, I was okay. thinking Killer Instinct is is another one of my favorites. Yeah. For for me, also, just well, okay. See,
1: I said Diddy Kong Racing. I love Diddy Kong oh, Racing. Oh yeah, Diddy I think Kong it's absolutely racing. phenomenal, and I would love to see a remake or a sequel or something. But I'm not sure if it'll ever happen.
2: Yeah, is Rare still around? Uh, just owned by Microsoft. So I mean, uh, I think they. Yeah, then no. Yeah, I mean, they kind of make games, but I mean. They came out with the, what is this pirate game for the Xbox called? Xbox One? Oh, Sea
0: of Thieves. Sea, sea of,
2: of Thieves. Thieves, yeah. Sea of Thieves, okay. which neither of us have played. But, um, I mean, they're still making games, but it's just definitely not the same. Like, those two brothers that I mentioned, uh, Chris and Tim Stamper, have left Rare. So it's just a different company, I think, now. Hmm.
1: But and you can go to Platonic. Some of the members from the old Rare form Platonic, and they made the game Ukulele. So um, I didn't okay. play Ukulele. It looked okay, yeah, but, like, but I'm.
2: Yuka- it's the. It's not the the best. <laughs> it's not, <it> have <laughs> a lot. He's so got words for ukulele.
0: Well, uh, too bad we don't have a time, machine, a time machine, fellas, and we could just go back and capture David Wise and capture the brothers and and nineties rare and get them to make more games. Absolutely, that would be awesome. You know, publish on Steam, whatever. Just that would be cool. But thank you guys, Steve and Toby, for joining us today. I had a heck of a fun time chatting with you all right thanks a lot man
1: yeah thanks a
0: lot i hope you enjoyed that episode of MageCast as much as i did if so please follow subscribe share and leave us a review to help us reach a wider audience if you enjoy our work please consider supporting us and our vision for the future of gaming conversations through patreon.com forward slash the mage special thanks to my League colleague brent mead for sound editing The mage cast theme song, Post Atmosphere, was composed by fellow mage Russell Gordon and can be found on his YouTube and SoundCloud. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on, passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons.